on today's show. Going to be talking about the Clipper culture. At one point, the Clippers culture was all negative, all bad, and nothing good could be said about it. But do the Clippers have a culture, a positive one? And joining me in this episode is someone who was covering the team, but also Clipper Nation's very own. Going to be talking about the Clipper culture on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the Clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darian Vaziri, born and raised in L.A. and going into my 19th season as a Clipper fan this fall. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod and subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more Clipper content. And in this episode, you know, the words culture, team culture are thrown around a lot in NBA discourse these days. And I wanted to talk about if the Clippers have a culture. And I thought bringing somebody who was a newer member of the fan base, but also had a lens of being around the team, being at media day, covering some of the playoff games, and even more importantly, a friend, Kelly Johnson from Fox 11, LA's very own Fox branch is here to talk Clipper basketball. Kelly, first, I think you might be the first female guest on my oh. tenure as a host. Oh, it's an honor and it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So let's let's get right into it now. Um, so you obviously, for those that don't know, Kelly and I actually met when she interviewed me as part of the Intuit Dome's groundbreaking. So before we get into anything, and I think it kind of ties into what we're going to talk about, the Intuit Dome. You know, you met me and several other Clipper fans when you're doing that story for the Intuit Dome. And now when we drive by the place, it is coming together. And how does it feel to have overseen that whole thing? And you obviously were part of the tour with the players, right? Right, right. And it's it's exciting. And, um, you know, that was interview. I couldn't say no. I interviewed probably like 12 people. I was like, hey, like, you know, does anyone want to interview me about this groundbreaking? And I was like, there's no way. And I got like so many responses. And that just goes to show how passionate Clipper fans are. But I just couldn't say no. So I interviewed a ton of people and the people I wasn't able to Zoom. I would just ask them some questions via DM or via email. Everyone is so passionate about this team. And that was really my introduction to Clipper culture. And people really want to talk about Clipper Nation. And I just really resonated with the fans. I really appreciated how, you know, willing people were to talk about the team and how passionate they were. And ever since then, I was like, I need people to see this is how passionate this fan base is. I thought everyone was so kind. Everyone was on time for their Zoom interview. So I, you know, that was really my first introduction to Clipper Nation. So you were already a Clipper fan, though, before that interview, right? So, you know, what's funny <laughs> is, you know, I, you know, I always tell the stories like me. I feel like I came along with PG and Kauai like that summer. We all came <laughs> back to L.A. Um, but yes, I mean, I remember um, 
I would say I decided I was going to go the Clippers route maybe a few months before then. I was like, okay, this is this is the way I'm going to go. And it's funny because before the season even started, it was before the 2019 season, and the Clippers and the Lakers, they rolled out their intro videos before the season. And I really resonated with the Clippers video. They had like Trez and Pat Bev. And I was like, ooh, the energy. I love this team. And it was a very different energy. The Lakers, you know, they had a very, they went the Hollywood route, which they can do. But I was like, no, I, I kind of like this like dog mentality that the Clippers have. So I guess that leads us right in perfectly to the culture thing. So, you know, growing up and I'm sure you've heard um, that the Clipper culture back in the day was filled with bad luck, injuries, mm -hmm. poor ownership, you know, a bad person mm -hmm. owning the team. And the culture around the Clippers is a losing culture. You know, that mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know when that series comes out on FX about uh, the Clippers. Oh, yes. But I've heard people <laughs> making jokes because uh, the Lakers have that show winning time that, oh, they're going to call this losing time. But I think that is kind of the, you know, the overlying theme of what the Clippers were in the Donald Sterling era. You coming from, you know, growing up in a different state and then moving to L.A. and kind of adopting the Clippers in this new era. What's the culture? You mentioned just now the not Flash, not Hollywood. If you were to try to sell someone to be a Clipper fan, what would you say about the team and the culture that they, you know, radiate, so to speak, these days? You know, that's something I've been thinking about a lot. And, you know, we talk about the new arena opening. We can't wait for Intuit Dome. If you would have asked me this question maybe a year ago, I would have said, oh, we don't have a culture just yet. We need to wait until this new arena opens. But the way I would sell it is it's almost like an underground fan base and it's like you don't really know much about it unless you're in it i remember covering the playoffs i ran into um someone that you know we're about the same age we grew up in the same area and you know she works for phoenix station and she's like you're the only clippers fan i know and you know she's like you know it's just like this curiosity that people they really don't think that clippers have fans and they go to the game they see an arena filled tens of thousands of fans and then they see it so it's really something that a lot of people don't know about until they're in it which i think is really cool i think that's an element to it it's just not as loud maybe as some of the other fan bases but it's definitely there so now that you're in it what did you you know, take from it now that you've had a couple of years of being a Clipper fan under your belt. And this could be, you know, with the team and with the fan base, you know, what, what do you notice about like what makes the Clippers unique besides the fact that of course we are the second, you know, attraction in our city in terms of basketball, but maybe that can tie into, you know, what the culture is about the team. I would say that it's just very realistic. I don't want to say it the Clippers almost represent the real LA. Like, you know, we always talk about the Lakers being more Hollywood and I do cover both teams. I'm very fortunate right. that I'm able to do so, but I remember the playoffs and just outside of the crypto.com arena and, you know, the Clipper fans were way more willing to talk to me about the team and their playoff hopes as opposed to Laker fans. And it was just a very different atmosphere, but you know, that goes back to, Clipper fans just being so passionate, really wanting to get their passion out there and get that exposure for the team. It's, it's just very different. I think people, and it's not just people from LA. It was really interesting. You know, I know like on Twitter, there's like a fan base in Australia and every now and then you run into like a fan from like New York or something like that, which I think is really unique. 
And, you know, it's coming, you know, what exactly the definition of Clipper culture is. I think we're getting there. But like I said, it's kind of like an underground thing. You don't know too much about it until you're in it. Um, but passion is the word that comes to mind. Pride, loyalty. I think there's something very special about rooting for a team that has yet to win a championship. I think that takes a different type of just love for your team. And I really admire and respect it. Yeah, I think, you know, based off what you're saying, it feels more like the culture of the team is, is still kind of forming because, you know, Steve Ballmer, this is going to be his 10th season as our owner. So finally he's in that kind of decade mark. But in terms of the fans, there really is a culture. There really is. There's a passion. There's this, we are the underdog. I mean, that's just the fact. We always have been, no matter how much we're favored starting a season or whatnot, there is still a skepticism from everyone, not just Laker fans. From everyone, like, the Clippers yes. are really a championship contender. Like, Clippers are never going to win a championship. So, mm -hmm. to me, we're always going to be that underdog. And I do think that the fans not only have a, a pride and passion, but as you said, the main words there are loyalty. You know, I think Clipper fans, I always say this on the podcast, best fans in the association is very subjective. I don't know who I'd even say that. But most loyal fans in the association, I don't think it's, it's a contest because – Right. Like what you've been saying is it's not just about that we've been a losing franchise for all these years and all that. And even the years that we've been a winning franchise, we've had heartbreak after heartbreak. Yeah. It's that on top of all those things I just said, we are second class citizens in the city. You do. And we've had conversations about this, like off camera and stuff about yeah. Clipper players going to other pro sporting events in L.A. and getting booed. That oh, all comes with it. Yes. Going, you know, and I keep, you know, it's funny on Twitter. I see all the girls saying, oh, this guy will throw this pickup line at me. Like, you're pretty for a Clipper fan, or that's a nice shirt for a Clipper fan. And so it's just those little comments. They don't seem like much in the grand scheme of things. But if you're a Charlotte Hornets fan living in Charlotte, you know, you see yeah. a guy with a Charlotte Hornets shirt, and then you probably give him a little head nod and walk by. It's not the same. So, but coming up, we're going to talk about what kind of culture the team kind of permeated last season. And does that align with the vision that we are going towards? Going to be getting Kelly's thoughts on the 2023 season. Get ready for that. I got to tell you a little something about FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. The NFL season is in full swing. Just finished week two. We're about to finish week two. Make sure you keep placing your bets. And you know what time it almost is. Almost time for October baseball, and my Dodgers yet again just clinched the NL West. So you already know where to go for all your betting needs. That's FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right. So, Kelly, last season of the seasons that you've been covering, Fox, if I'm not mistaken, was the closest you've been to the Clippers, right? The most, like, access you had. Yes. Am I wrong on that? Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So what did you think just from, I guess, let's start with what did you feel when you were at media day, the vibes to start the season, because there was so much optimism around the fan base. And then by the end, it was so much pain. So just describe to me how the, the emotions kind of went from the beginning to end. 
Well, I'm just thankful that my station lets me do what I'm pretty, uh, let's say, persistent about wanting to cover the Clippers. So, you know, I'm always grateful for the opportunity. Um, but, you know, I, you know, you talking about media day, I remember just how fun it was. We had John Walsh, you know, signing shoes. We had, you know, he was talking to Paul George and Luke Kennard, and it was just a really exciting energy. I remember asking Paul George, I'm like, hey, like, what is the one word you would use to describe going into the season? And he said, focus. And he was talking about how even when he was in Italy for his honeymoon, he really wasn't eating pasta and stuff like that. He was so focused and dedicated. And it was kind of, you know, one of those movies where, you know, at the beginning, it's like, I'm, I'm, you know, let me tell you how I got here. And it would start with the clip of him going down, you know, in that game. And, you know, just flashing back to just, you know, what we thought it was going to be. It's always a bit scary to me when the media is like, oh, we project the Clippers to win the championship. You know, this is something we expect. It's like, oh, no, all eyes are on us. And to me, it seems like this is a franchise that, that does best when people aren't necessarily paying attention. Right. And all eyes were on us. I mean, we had John Wall, like people hadn't seen him in years. Kawhi Leonard coming back off of his injury, uh, wanting to see what Paul George was going to do. So yeah, all eyes were on us. And unfortunately, it did not go the way we wanted it to. Going back to the comment about PG and the focus, one thing that us Clipper fans really you know, were critical of with the team was that we didn't start the season with what we thought was going to be that focus. Um, what did you think the first half of the season when, you know, before Kawhi was really back, because remember he had that setback. Mm -hmm. right. what, what were your thoughts in that moment when we were struggling so much, our players weren't healthy? Did you feel like the, the players were not backing up what they were saying, or do you just think it was an unfortunate set of circumstances I mean, what was your take on that uh, from the fan perspective, not even the media perspective? From a fan perspective, I mean, I think there's something, you know this about me, I always try to be optimistic, but realistic at the same time. If we're losing consistent games, if we're battling every single night and our star players aren't out there, you hope for the best. We did it the season prior, the comeback clips. There was something so special about that season. And I think we wanted to see the resurgence of that. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. Uh, it was kind of like a sad, more sad season. And the way I kind of think about it is if you think back to your high school or college years, what was the one year that you, you know, you kind of dreaded that you went into the year, you know, wanting to be popular or wanting to meet new people. And then it ends basically getting dumped on prom night. That's what last season felt like. Oh man. It's besides yeah. the prom part. It sounds kind of like my freshman year of high school. I was very excited going into it. And by the end, I was like, man, I was counting down the days till summer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly and that's how I felt it's just like okay let's let's just get through the season I mean we started the postseason with a promising look and I think you just look at it and it's like we're gonna pull it together Ty Lue's gonna figure it out these guys they're gonna rally and get it together and um, unfortunately we didn't see as much of that but I think we do have the building blocks for it I mean having Russell Westbrook on the team Bones Highland I think we added some pieces I'm excited to see what KJ Martin brings to the table as well as Kobe Brown uh, Mason Pumley is back so I I'm, I'm excited to see what we do this season you mentioned Russ that's somebody who you know dominated a lot of the headlines for us last season his move was was so big in terms of you know the public talk about it and just the impact that it had what did you think of the differences between the post-Russ move and then the pre-Russ? 
like how did it affect how much fun you had in this, you know, watching the games and how you felt about the team and, you know, him being an LA guy, how did you, uh, you know, take that, his impact in Clipper? How did you take his impact coming to the Clipper team um, as a fan? I think initially, I don't want to say I was, um, I was just like, let's see it. I think, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, you know, you read the theories on social media. It's like, I will react when I see it. I need to see the first few games. We know how those first few games went. You know, we went winless. But I remember going to the games. I, get, I tell people all the time, you have to be there in person. And it just felt so much more electric. Of course, we have Kawhi and PG. Those are undeniable superstars. But having Russ on the team, completely different atmosphere. It almost felt like every night was a playoff game. He just really brought this excitement and this electricity that I have not seen um, outside of the arena other than going to like a Lakers game. Um, and then just seeing his heart in the playoffs, him being out there, just seeing how he was in the media. And when he was a Laker, I was one of those people who defended him. I was like, I don't care what team he's on. I don't like how he's being portrayed in the media. I don't like how people are talking about him. There's a certain point where bullying just isn't okay. I didn't like it. Um, it was really sad that he didn't even feel comfortable having his family going to the games. Um, so I think seeing him really turn it around and just you could tell he wanted to be there and we needed to see that because um yeah I think Clipper Nation really needed to see a player who genuinely wanted to be there every night was going to give his all and you know I I think there's some optimism going into next season with him back on the team yeah I totally concur with your point about the electricity in the building I mean obviously that first game against Sacramento was has become famous for other reasons besides Westbrook's debut being the second highest scoring game ever. But, you know, even the tip off to that game, it was a big game considering we were right next to the Kings in the standings, but there was a different energy and there ended up being a different energy in all the games that we had Russ. And I think partially that's because he's an LA guy. And obviously he's a future hall of famer that has a, a fan base, a crazy stand base itself. And then, obviously the people that were there for him, you know, people that were there just to support Westbrook. You can yeah. really feel that in the building. And I'm, and I'm really excited as you are to have that from day one, but just to finish off on last season, one of the things that I was, you know, most happy for you and doing was that you got to be at not only were you at every single playoff game or uh, for the Clippers. Most season? of them. Most of them. Yes. The greater majority of them. So, not just that, but the fact that you got to have a very unique experience and that you were at a Clipper playoff game in the same day that you covered a Laker playoff game. So I want to know how the atmospheres differed and also how the experience was covering NBA playoff basketball for the first time. That must have been awesome. Well, you know, not to get, you know, super emotional, but I know for me covering that, you know, Phoenix series, having grown up there, Right. And it was really a full circle moment. It's just like, you know, driving from my mom's house and going down the same roads where, you know, I went to college and it's like, these were the days that I dreamt about. So for it to come full circle, it's like, here comes this person who really wanted to cover sports, never really got a chance. And then now here I am covering the NBA playoffs. And uh, that, that was quite a moment for me, just on a personal level. That was just, you know, I had to give myself, you know, just be so proud of myself for that. Um, but yes, I remember covering both games. 
um, on the same day, the Lakers and um, of course the Clippers. That that was a long day. I will say that, but it was it was it was really interesting to see just how different the setup was. I think Laker fans are more they tend to be a little bit earlier for the games. I mean, outside crypto.com, I mean, you can't deny all the purple and gold just, just painted completely different, you know, uh, Clipper fans tend to get there. It's, you know, uh, right before the games. And we've been called out about this on national TV. We all know, but it's like, Hey, uh, people have to go to work. People are doing the best they can and that's all right. Um, and then, you know, the differences I, didn't necessarily love seeing people from, you know, Phoenix making, you know, the the drive or the flight from Phoenix and kind of not being like half of the crowd, but I saw a lot more orange and purple than I would have liked to have seen. Um, but that was probably the loudest that I've heard the fans in the stands in the playoffs. And, you know, I know one thing that we've talked about, you know, you asked me like how the energy was in Phoenix. And that to me is the loudest crowd I've ever seen. So going from like Phoenix watching those games to the Casino Laker game, I was like, huh, I'm like, I think they're a little bit louder in Phoenix, which was really surprising to me because a few years ago, it probably wouldn't have been that way. Yeah, I mean, obviously LA fans have the their reputation, you know, relative to other cities about being not loud and showing up to games late and all mm -hmm. that. And I will say that some of them are true, but I do think when it comes to basketball, we are very, very passionate about the sport. I mean, having yeah. two teams, having them both in the playoffs, it, that's when you get to see the excitement of the city and the love for basketball at an all-time high when both teams are in the playoffs. And I will say, even though I'm very excited about the Intuit Dome, that is one thing I'm kind of going to miss mm -hmm. is, is having that unique ability to see a playoff game in the same arena for two different home teams. I think that was something that I didn't get to experience the same day thing. I still haven't experienced that, but I was lucky enough in 2012 to go to Clippers Grizzlies game four of the playoffs one night. And then the next night I had a Lakers Nuggets game five ticket. And it's, it's funny because the excitement and crowd level, like the loudness for Laker fans back then was nowhere near now, believe it or not, because they, it was, they were so used to making the playoffs Right. this season against Memphis, like the game you attended, I, I can guarantee, even though I wasn't there, that that game was louder than any Laker playoff game I've been to. I've been to three and none of them were too memorable. The crowd was, it was all first round. So for them, that was mm -hmm. like a regular season game when they had Kobe. Right. right. But for us against Memphis, that was the first year we made the playoffs in six years. So it was like a game seven type of atmosphere. And I, I feel like, Ever since then, it's been Clipper fans that have kind of become accustomed to being in the playoffs. And then Laker fans, especially when they won the championship, not here, you know, in in the bubble, they were ecstatic to, oh, yeah. to welcome them back home. So, yeah, I hope going forward, though, that Clipper fans will, I don't know what it's going to take, but hopefully we can revert back to that appreciating being in the playoffs so much and have every game, I'm, I'm not saying every game be like game six against the Jazz, but you know, at least that kind of enthusiasm in a big playoff game. I hope we can get that back consistently. But coming up, going to be talking about this upcoming season and the future of LAC as it pertains to the culture. And, of course, our odds to, I don't know, do what this upcoming season. I'm going to get Kelly's thoughts on that coming up.
All right. So here we go. The last season in the Staples Center. I want to get your thoughts first on the team, how you feel we can do this upcoming season, what the goals are. And of course, the second side of the coin, and that is the last season in the Staples Center. And you can even comment on the schedule and how that has affected it, because we already know it's not looking like a very pleasant schedule for the players. Oh, man. Well, where do I begin? So, you know, I found the best way to do it is have no expectations. I know that I've seen a lot on social media that people are like, we'll be lucky if we make, you know, the play-ins. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, this is why I'm not on social media much, because I start seeing comments and then, it, you know, I go down a rabbit hole. But um, I am going in with no expectations. I honestly feel like in the, you know, in the NBA, especially, it's all about injuries, right? So it's like with a healthy PG and Kawhi, like that, that would be phenomenal. Like that's one, if anyone needs something to do this off season, let's all manifest that, you know, like, I think that's a great start, uh, something to begin with, something to hope for. Um, um, but we, we need those two. We genuinely do. Um, I really hope, you know, when we make the playoffs, because we will, that we don't face Phoenix in the first round again. I honestly can't take it. I was like, oh, any other, I bet, you know, on the flip side of that, it's like, well, what if we get like Denver in the next round? And, you know, if Memphis has Steven Adams back, you know, and seeing Zoo that matchup or, you know, is that what we want in the first round as well? We don't know what Dallas is going to bring to the table. They got better. We remember those playoff games against Dallas and how exhausting that was and how that, you know, really beat up on our soul. So I know that we're going to the playoffs. We just really need to stay healthy. Um, I, I would love, love, love for the Clippers to be able to hang, uh, play, you know, that championship banner when they open the Intuit Dome. Um, and that's all that's all we can hope for. But I'm going in no expectations. I really want it to be a fun season. I think last season, you know, like I said, it was people, they say that was their least favorite season and like all their years being a Clippers fans, and that includes their losing seasons. So I just want them to go out there, have fun, give it their all. I'm really hoping that, you know, Russ helps bring that energy to other people on the team and let's just make it a fun season. And you asked about the schedule. Oh man, it's a, uh, it's, it's a brutal one. Uh, so many back to backs. They, they know what they're doing. I'm glad other people in the media have called the NBA out for, having just really the worst schedule one could hope for and it's it's really going to be one I think in the history books our last season in downtown LA um, I think that's going to be something I think it's going to be a full house I think our final game is against Houston it's around like Easter Sunday um, so that's it's it's gonna I, I think that's going to be a moment hopefully you know it's going to be like that last game before you go into the playoffs and not in the play in tournament. I don't, I don't think we deserve that stress. I really don't. Do you think going into this season, our team is better than last year? That's a really good question. Um, I'm going to have to go with yes, because guess what? Like we do have a backup center. Right. <laughs> we have a backup center. Um, I always think back, I'm like, oh, I really miss Luke Kennard, but you know what? It's okay. I think we're going to, you know, figure it out at the shooting guard position. And we did add, again, some younger pieces to the team, which is exciting. Um, you know, I think Bones Highland, I mean, seeing his former team win the championship, it's going to be interesting. I think he's going to be hungrier for it uh, this season. And 
I'm really going to be curious as to how Ty Lue is going to balance, hopefully not injuries, but we have to be realistic here. I'm going to be curious as to how the coaching is going to go and how uh, the rotations are going to be this incoming season. So I do believe we are better. We're slightly younger, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, we'll see how it goes. And, you know, one thing you didn't even mention is the Westbrook, you know, having him from the beginning of the season. I think that you mentioned it earlier, but this is going to be great in my opinion for us. And then my last question as it pertains to the team is not counting Westbrook, Kawhi and Paul George, who's a player that you want to see either a lot more minutes from this season, or you just have a feeling they're going to do better than people expect and are going to be a bigger part of the team than anyone is kind of accounting for. My, I got to go with Terrence Mann. I mean, we see he's already in Hawaii. I really think there's a reason they did not want to include him in any trade packages. I think he is the future of this franchise. And I know people say like, oh, he's not, you know, 23, 24. That's okay. I think he's the, you know, I would love to see him in more uh, lineups. I think, um, you know, I've Amir Coffey, hopefully if they, you know, work things out. I'd love to see more of him. Um, we'll, I'm curious as to see, you know, how, if Kobe Brown really is ready. Oh my gosh. And my guy, Brandon Boston. Would yeah. Really I was, I was wondering if he was going to get a mention. Yeah, of course him. Uh, <laughs> I was fortunate enough to, you know, talk to him a little bit at a Miami game last season and he was just so kind and, you know, it really seemed like he wanted more minutes. I mean, he unfortunately had that injury, but again, the season before he had those moments where he really shined and I think he's ready for the moment. And I really hope Ty Lue gives him those opportunities. And what about you? Seen... Yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. the thing is with Brandon is, I obviously have been advocating for him to get in the rotation this season, mm -hmm. but when I really look at the amount of players that we have, I just think it's going to take a load management game or injuries for him to really play because yeah. we have 10, 11 guys. Like, is he even above Amir Coffee in the pecking order? Like, he <laughs> hasn't been in the past. Right. Mm -hmm. but, but you had any uh, seeding prediction? I, I'm starting to be asked on shows at this point of the season or at this point of the off season, and people are asking me, do I have a seeding prediction? And it's, I think this is, the Clippers might be the toughest team in the entire NBA to predict their seed. Yeah. Because, and that's not just for Clipper fans. I think that's for everyone that's doing predictions before the season because it's like, we could be a top three seed if Kawhi Absolutely. Leonard and Paul George play 60-plus games, but there's that huge risk, maybe more than any other team. I guess I would say the New Orleans Pelicans fans are like maybe besides us, the ones that are really worrying the same way. But, I mean, if, if Paul George misses like 30, 40 games, like – we're back in playing conversation. So like, what would you put? I, I tentatively, actually, you know what? I can't, I can't give the locked on listeners too much. I got to do a prediction show at oh. some point. So I can't give you guys too much, but we'll get Kelly's prediction. Tentative one. Well, we know that Paul George on this, you know, Stephen A. Smith show, he essentially, and his Charles Barkley accent, which he's phenomenal at it. So, it's so good. Yeah, very good. I was like, maybe there's some acting in his future. Uh, basically said like the number two seed. Um, everyone's like Denver. Everyone's worried about Denver. I'm like, hey, like there's there's a lot of other teams we got to worry about. We got to worry about Golden State, Memphis. We don't know what Sacramento is going to bring. You know, we saw how close they got last season. And those are a bunch of young guys they are only going to get better. So I stay away from predictions, but if I could have it, I would say like fourth or fifth seed. I think that's a, a good spot to be in because then we don't have to worry about those, you know, play in teams. Like I, right, I really, yeah. you know, New Orleans, I don't think we, we want to deal with that for some reason. We just, you know, if Zion yeah. 
fully healthy next season. And that's a team we've been really struggling to beat. I, you know, I, I hope we don't have to see them in the playoffs next season. Yeah. Or hopefully we can get over our Pelican demons at this point. I mean, this yeah. season, hopefully we can, we can get some wins against them. My last question before we get off is what was your favorite moment of covering the team this past year? Um, I would have to say, you know what, that's a really good question. Cause initially I was like, Oh, the playoffs for sure. But I really did enjoy media day. I really enjoyed just how excited everybody seemed and the enthusiasm. And I would like to see more of that, um, carried not just on media day, but carried out throughout the season. And I know, you know, I talk about enthusiasm and spirit and things like that. And I know when you're injured, there's nothing you can do about it. You literally can't go on the court. Like I could only imagine how that feels. I truly empathize with that. But again, the Russ Brook effect and the energy that he's going to continue to bring to the team. Um, so yeah, my highlight of last season, but still the playoffs, honestly, just, you know, being back there, asking the questions, even that final game when we were eliminated, being able to ask, you know, just being there, seeing how they felt. Sometimes I think you almost need to see, like, were they affected by this? Are they sad? Did they care? And they definitely did. And so I think they're, they obviously remember that, and they're going to come into the season remembering how that felt and making sure that they don't have to experience those emotions again. Yeah, Ty Lu, Lawrence Frank, and Paul George have all said they want to take the regular season more seriously going into the year. That's something mm -hmm. I've been preaching on this show and my own for the better part of a year. So hopefully we see – the Clippers get off to a strong start. I don't know if you've looked at those first four games, but they're very winnable, starting with our oh, opener yeah. against Portland. You going to be there? I am going to be there, absolutely. Ooh. And, you know, I, I I dabble. You know, sometimes when there's a member of the media, but it's always – it's so fun to go as a fan and just, you know, be <laughs> – yeah, so, um, yeah, absolutely I'll be there. So I'm, I'm sure I'll see you there. Yep. Let everybody know where they can find you, though, to see all the work that you're putting in and, and consistently putting out, whether it's basketball-related or non-basketball-related. So mostly right now I am, I'm taking a little bit of a social media hiatus. I'm just, you know, waiting for the, hopefully it won't be a stressful season, but I'm kind of laying off social media until the season starts and I can start tweeting a little bit more, but you can find me um, on Twitter at Kelly Johnson TV. And once I do have my Instagram back, it'll be my name, Kelly Johnson. So that's where you can find me. There we go. Did you wear hoops because it was a hoops podcast? It goes with the braids. I've really started to love them. And, you know, I think it's part of my look. <laughs> but yes, love yes. It. You know, I, I got to give you. Some, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. Let me know what you guys thought of the episode and let me know in the pinned comment on YouTube. And you got to hit the subscribe button and hit the notification bell for all things L.A. Clippers. But let us know in the pinned comment, what is the Clipper culture to you? When I say that, I mean, obviously, going forward. No Donald Sterling culture talk. But the age-old proverb continues. Go Clippers.